It is I, Hope Giselle, and I'm coming at y'all with another episode of Can We Talk. Now, this week's episode is going to feature someone that I absolutely adore, I love. She's been a mentor from afar, whether she knows it or not. I think that she's amazing. I think that she's dope, and I honestly think that she is quite swanky. Uh, my guest this week is going to be none other than Miss Alori Swank. Hey! Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. First and foremost, thank you for joining us and for being a part of this. It's been a couple of months coming at this point. Like, I feel like I just been on your bumper trying to get you to see the comment and you finally <laughs> saw it. So thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Child, I'm excited. That you, I'm <laughs> excited. Any, I'm always excited about anybody that like spends their time. Like, I think my last guest was DeWanda Wise and like, she was just so awesome and amazing. I'm always just like super full by the time y'all leave. And I know that today is not going to be any different. So I'm excited. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, first and foremost, let's introduce those who do not know who you are to the Alori Swank brand. Like give them the, the rundown. Who is Alori if you have to like name it for yourself? Who are you? Ooh, I have been so many things over so many years. Um, I started off as a fashion stylist to celebrities. So I've styled a bunch of people um, from Young Jeezy and T.I. to Keisha Cole and Ray Schremer and Childish Gambino, AKA Donald Glover or Donald Glover, AKA Childish Gambino, wherever right. <laughs> you want to put it. Um, started off doing that. And then um, I've always kind of been a brand before we all knew what branding was. So people I noticed gravitated towards my personal style and they always wanted to know where I got my clothes and um, how could they buy things out of my closet, which started off as me just selling clothes out of my closet and eventually evolved into this massive e-commerce brand called Swank Blue. Um, and then I've written books. So I've written books on branding. Brand Like a Boss is one of my favorite interactive workbooks that um, people love and have seen a bunch of success from. But then I also, my passion project is my series of children's books, the Zoe Sparks series. Um, I cook a lot for fun, but now people think I'm a chef. Tell them everything. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think if I had to sum it all up, I would just call myself the blue haired bandit. I've had blue hair for 14 years straight. Every single day I'm trying out this blonde thing, but of course I still have my blue streak. And um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> so first and foremost, let's talk about this blue hair. Okay, cause I, I feel like you were doing blue hair before the- It was not cool. It was not cool when you were doing it. It, it was, was not cool at all. When I first started wearing blue hair, um, well, let's actually rewind to the story of why my hair is blue. It right. actually is blue by accident. So I went to this hairstylist. Back then, the only people who were wearing colored hair, they were doing pink hair. Right. And I didn't want to be like everybody else, but I wanted to try the pink hair thing. So I go to this lady and I'm like, hey, 
I want my hair pink, but I want you to put purple streaks in it. Like, that's how I was going to be different. Okay. I don't know what that lady did. My hair was blue when she was done. <laughs> I sat in that chair. I cried. Like, literally, I could not hold the tears back. I was like, nobody has blue hair. This looks so stupid. Like, I was, I was bawling in that <laughs> salon, but I had a flight to catch that same day. It was like early on in my styling career. I, I was being flown to either Orlando or Tampa. Somebody had a show and I needed to be there. And so we couldn't fix it. We didn't have the time. She tells me, she's like, when you get back, I promise I'll fix it. I'm so sorry. She apologized a million times. I left that salon miserable. Of course. I get to the airport and everybody is like, oh my God, I love your hair. I've never seen anybody with blue hair before. It looks so good. And here I go, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like, I literally, and from that moment, blue hair became my thing. I have never been another color since that day i've tried different shades of blue sometimes i'll ombre it it might be like a darker royal blue or like half teal and half blue on one side like i've played around with the blue but every single day for over 14 years my hair has been blue ever since so Child, i don't know how i've been following you for so long and not known the story because and i think that that was part of the reason why i was really excited to ask the question i was like i wonder how this came to be because i remember like a couple of years into me following you you've always like you pay attention to people but you'll be paying attention to people and so there have been times where like i've tagged you because there was a look that you did i think it was the first look that tokyo ever did for you and that look was sickening it was that blue gray moment that look i don't know what y'all did in that lab that day but that look was the look we were in our <laughs> we did that hairstyle at four o'clock in the morning too i will not forget that but the crazy thing about it is that is not the first time tokyo has ever done my hair oh so my tokyo story and i love tokyo so much tokyo randomly sent me a dm um this was like, he was just getting started. Well, she, sorry, let me fix that. She was just getting started um, on her hair journey. Like she might've had, I don't know, 300 followers on Instagram. Like randomly DMs me, I love you so much, can I do your hair? And I'm like, I'm looking on the page, I'm seeing all this color. I'm like, this is amazing, where do you live? She's like, I live in DC, but I'll fly to you. And I was like, I live in LA. She got on the plane oh. and came and did my hair and it was phenomenal. And at the time um, I was working with Keisha Cole. And so when I went to set that week, Keisha was like, who did your hair? And I was like, this person just sent me this DM. Like, and she flew her back out. So, me and Tokyo been rocking for a, for a minute. For a little minute. What I love about Tokyo is Tokyo, through all the growth and the evolution and working with all these amazing people and becoming this powerhouse, has still remained the sweetest, like, can you come do my hair right quick? And we'll pull up, come do hair in my kitchen. Like, I love Tokyo so much. So, okay. Come on. <laughs> Story. See, that's why we love a good backstory. I love a 
I never like I feel like just watching the evolution of Tokyo myself I'm like okay this is really cute to know because everybody that I do know that has had an experience with her has always said the same the sentiments are the same it's like before all of the Cardi B and all of the stuff and afterwards Tokyo was still the same person Tokyo was still down to come and do a 3 a.m session like everybody who I know that has had that experience speaks the same way so shouts out to you Tokyo special shouts out to you I um I remember like you gave me the courage as a darker skinned black and we, we have to have we have to have that conversation right but <laughs> as a darker skinned black girl like you gave me the courage because at first I was like I'm not doing these colors that's for light skinned girls like that that color thing that whole wave of color is for them and then I'm scrolling through the Instagrams and here's this chocolate lady with this blue hair and I'm like who is this and why does she think she could do this like who does she think she is wearing the hair and where do I get the hair <laughs> <laughs> and where do I get it? How do I how do I get the hair? And so I remember the first time I tried, I was like, okay, so I hope I didn't let her down, but this is my this is my attempt at an Lori Swank hairdo. And I didn't expect you to even pay me no mind. And so when you was like, okay, no, it's a good job. I like this. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Stop the presses. Oh, <laughs> Lori has said that my blue is slaying. None of you other bitches matter today. Nobody can piss me off because Lori said my hair was cute. So fuck y'all, okay? Um, but it, it was, I, I, that was a whole moment. I feel like, honestly, you did create a trend where darker skinned women started to feel empowered to do something different. Like, were you the only one? Absolutely not. But I think that as it pertained to the people who were keeping up, especially that time in media, you were all over dressing everybody. everybody. <laughs> you know, you were dressing everybody. So anybody who was watching Keisha's show, anybody who was following Ray Schremer, anybody who was like dealing with Ross and all those other people also knew exactly who you were. And so I think one of my questions is, how do we go from a career that seemed to be, because I thought you was getting it back then, right? Like I was like, oh, this girl is making money putting these clothes on these people. But then we started to see you shift into spaces of fashion for yourself. So at what point did that shift happen? And why do you feel like you felt it necessary? Like beyond the fact that people wanted to buy your clothes, it takes a lot of commitment to run an actual like fashion brand. And so what kind of puts you in that direction that you was like, okay, I'm gonna try this. Let's see how this works. Um, I've just always been somebody who paid attention to what my audience wanted from me. Mm. So before social media was giving us insights, I've just always been keeping my own. Um, that's how I built my following. That's how I built my brand was I'm very intentional and I pay a lot of attention. And so when I see that, okay, I'm posting more about my hair now and people are gravitating towards that, I give them more of that. When I see that people are gravitating towards my outfits and my clothes, I give them more of that. And so in those early days when I noticed, I'm like, every time I'm doing something, people want my clothes or they want me to style them. And I'm only one person. I can't style all these people. So what can I do to style them without having to physically be there? Like, I'm, I'm always trying to think of ways to clone myself and and multiply myself for everybody and fashion and creating this store at that time was my way that I could literally dress more people than I could physically dress because the demand of me styling and being on set and doing all this was taking a toll. So. Okay. Yeah. 
So when we talk about demands taking a toll, right? Every now and then you like to catfish us and make us feel like you all in love, right? And you like to pop out with a bag or two, but you know, you post up the bag. You like, I feel like it's very much so. You were JT before JT was JT. <laughs> and you used to hit us with, I'm gonna post up the bag, but I ain't gonna post the spender, right? And so how, in, in the midst of being this, this businesswoman extraordinaire, you have this, styling business that I'm assuming that you still you dabbled in when, when we were called and you have this whole other business of, you know, now you're selling this fashion and you are duplicating yourself in this new way. I, at what point does Alori have time to entertain these men? And then also there are times where like you talk very openly and candidly about the fact that like, look, as a woman of a certain stature. I'm not downgrading my life because you can't afford the upkeep of the life that I already live on my own. Like, and I think the reason why I'm so confident in saying that now is because for a lot of years, I too was tricked into thinking that um, in order to be this person with a higher moral compass and to be a good person, you had to accept less than what you were used to. Fact. Like, I'm not dating men for money. Like, I have to actually like you. Like, I have literally, I've curved billionaires. I'm like, I don't like you. I don't like your personality. Like, I don't want nothing from you. I don't even want you to send me flowers because I don't like you. Right. But that doesn't mean that I'm also going to, like, we can't even have fun if I have to feel a way that I can afford to do the things I want to do on my own, but now you resent me because you can't afford to do those things too. Cause mm -hmm. I've been in those relationships. That's why I now am very adamant that I will not date a man that makes less money than me because mm -hmm. child, I had a whole boyfriend who at that time literally wanted to break up with me because I bought myself my own Chanel bag that I had been wanting for years. Like when I tell you I wanted that bag for so long and he'd be like, I'm gonna get it for you, I'm gonna get it for you. And one day I just bought it for myself. Cause first of all, it's a waiting list for the bag, sir. Like, right. it doesn't come around often. I've missed three opportunities playing with you. And it was a whole fight. So imagine working hard and wanting something and then being in a relationship with someone who you now almost have to tiptoe around your own success because they feel a way about it. But society and the media will make it seem like, oh, you should love people for who they are. And you know, like just cause they don't have money and this and that. And I just, I'm not doing that no more. Like mm -mm. we get one life to live and I want to make this life of mine a soft life. I don't want no stress. And that includes stress from men. And um, yeah, so that's that's where we at with that. And I will sing it from the mountaintops. Like, I don't want to struggle love. Love does not have to be a struggle. Mm -mm. When it comes down to the idea of dating somebody who has less or more than you, I think a lot of men have been having this conversation on their little podcast, you know, all of the little podcasts that we've seen. Podcast is the worst thing to ever happen to some of these men because it's like, sir, <laughs> make it stop. Make like just make it stop because it don't make no. 
<laughs> the amount of the amount of pick me's trying to be friends with them and the amount of misguided men who think that this is the way the will in the world like doesn't make any sense to me but i think that in in a lot of spaces i agree with you like in my relationship i am the breadwinner like my boyfriend is a firefighter and that's cute and people think that there's a lot of money in that but it's not right and and you know and it was funny yesterday i was making a deal about something and it was literally like a speech for like two hours and when we went to talk in the prices, my boyfriend was like, wait a minute, y'all just say that amount for, for two hours of your time? Like, you know how much I would have to work to get that amount of money? And like, we don't, in my house, like he knows how much I make annually, but he doesn't know how much I make like per thing that I do. Mm -hmm. And so it was one of those things where that was the first time I was able to actually see him in the moment. Like, just be like, oh, that is cool. I am happy that you can do that. I wish that in the thing that I was passionate about that there was more room for that. And I'm like, if so, if there were other men out there that were willing to like say that and move in that way, we would be so be much better. It would be so be much fine. better. Like, it would be a safe space. But yes. now that ego, I don't want to deal with it. It get them every time. It gets them every freaking, like, it doesn't make, to me, especially because I'm a person that, I'm a right now person. I go to the mall. I go wherever I go because I, I don't like waiting on you to ship me my shit. I want, I want the boots and I want to wear the boots Same. at night. Okay? I want to wear the boots Same. at night. So I don't have time. <laughs> no. So the fact that I had to wait three times on my Chanel bag is already a dub. Like, you already annoyed <laughs> me. It's I don't even life. wait for birthdays to buy myself something. Like, if I want it today, I want it today. And that's what's going to happen. I'm going to get it today. And that's the one thing that I, I think, like, having a supportive partner in that way is so amazing. Like, how most of the girls be trying to, like, hide their stuff and put it in the trunk and then bring it. I don't have to do that. Like, if I come home with five bags, he's like, okay, so what you got? Let me see. Like, what? Let me see. Okay, I like that. That's going to be cute on you. I like that. Like, my, I, I, I genuinely love that because... It's one of those things where if I have to be in a relationship where I feel like I have to constantly, like you said, kill who I am in order to be with you, this ain't gonna work. This, this is not gonna work. But how do you feel about the elevation of your partner? And I'm not talking about the elevation of some deadbeat ass nigga. I'm talking about the elevation of a person that you genuinely love, you rock with him. He just don't make it, right? But you still gotta go where you be going. And so he can't go behind you looking like how he be yeah. So how do you, how do you feel about elevating a man who you feel is worth it? Or do you just feel like there's never a, a situation? So, okay. And I always, before I talk about anything, I like to tell people that my experiences are my experiences and your experiences are your experiences. And we all live life and approach life and our values based on the experiences and traumas that we've had. So I never expect for my way to be the way for everybody. I think that's ridiculous. Like what works for me might not work for everyone else. Um, based off of my past experiences and my past traumas, I've made the decision that I will build with you, but I don't want to build you. Like I've mm -hmm. built enough men to where I don't have to build nobody else. Like I don't now, I also understand that we go through phases in life. Life isn't a straight line. There's peaks, there's valleys. And I don't mind 
weathering a valley with somebody. Okay. But if you just are used to the valley and that's like, I don't want to be the person that constantly has to carry you on my back. I feel like any relationship, not even just romantically, like friendships, it needs to be a I water you, you water me, we both grow. It doesn't mean we're necessarily watering each other at the same time or in equal parts like 50-50. Sometimes I'm going to have to give 80 and that person's going to have to give 20. But when I need 80, I need to know that I'm with somebody who is capable of giving me that 80 or giving me 47, like whatever, whatever. at that time, it has to be mutually beneficial. It doesn't have to always be 50-50 down the middle or equal, but I need to feel like just like how you're growing, I'm growing as well. And it's not always financial because I know like on the internet, we all talking about money and he got to make this and he got to make that. There's a lot more to it. Like I need you to be generous with everything, your emotions. I need you emotionally available. Like it's not just the finances, like give me your time, be generous with your time. Like don't just put me on the back burner because you got a million things going on. Like I need generosity all across the board and I'm comfortable asking for that because I'm willing to reciprocate. Oh, let me let, soak that in, bitches. Listen to what the <laughs> fuck she just said. As a matter of fact, if you're listening to this on the podcast in your car, rewind it and then come back, okay? But I, I feel that. I think that first and foremost, if I have a person that's not showing me that my one of my biggest rules for people is that I want somebody that wants to be here, right? And so if I am dating you and I feel like I have to pull teeth for you to be here, we not dating. Like we were we're not dating. There is no relationship. And so when you talk about generosity, not just in the form of finances, but in the form of your time, in the form of your emotional stability, like all of those things matter. Because I feel like also you can give money when you're a person that has money, and especially when you're a man, it money is that's matter. nothing. Like I tell girls this all the time. You're a geek. Do you think he loves you because he bought you a plane ticket? Like, girl, that's like ordering Instacart. It's but, not. Yes. So you have to. I'm going to let you go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, you have to. It, it needs to be all across the board. It cannot just be in one area. But you also have to know yourself well enough to know what you need. Because we also all don't have the same needs. Like, I have friends, they want their man around 24 7. I like space sometimes. I need to be able to be free. Like, I want to be able to come and go. Like, I don't need to be up under you every five minutes. Like I need to feel like if I have something I need to handle, I have the time and the space to because my man isn't there all the time. But right. then I have homegirls, they're the opposite. So you have to know yourself and know what you need and gauge what a person is willing to give you based off of the needs that you need to be fulfilled. So when we talk or when we have these conversation about like needs, it makes me want to talk a little bit more about Zoe. Um, and I talk about this and I, I bring this up because I feel like Zoe is that little black girl book for the little black girls who weren't seeing themselves at the time. Mm -hmm. And this is the one thing that I am going to give you credit for because I don't think that I had seen it in the way that you did it before I saw Zoe, right? After I saw Zoe Sparks and all of a sudden I saw all these other, you know, like I got a black girl book for doing black girl hair, but... What what was the thing that you felt like young black girls needed to see that caused you to write Zoe Sparks? Um, 
Growing up, I've always been a reader. I started reading at two. Mm. Um, and books have always been my thing. But I never remembered seeing anybody in these books that looked like me. There was Rapunzel. There was Cinderella. If I did see a book with a Black person, you know, girl or boy, it was usually like weirdly disfigured characters, like super huge, unrealistic bug eyes. Like if they didn't look like me or anyone else that I knew. And I had always said to myself that, especially as a dark skinned girl, I don't want us to have to perpetuate this cycle where we grow up in our younger years feeling unseen, um, not pretty. Every dark skinned girl you talk to, she had the same cycle. It's like, oh, growing up, I used to get picked on. I didn't think I was cute. And then we hit our 20s and we realized we're really the baddest bitch. All right. <laughs> what about that age? You know, like the younger years, it's like, why do we have to go through that phase of not feeling pretty, not feeling like we're getting enough attention, not feeling like we're getting the representation? And then we go find ourselves in our adult years and all of a sudden realize like we really are that girl. Why can't right. we be that girl the whole time? And it's because we didn't have anything showing us that we could be that girl. So I said I was going to create this series of what I would have wanted to see growing up. And that is how Zoe Spark was born. And if you notice, she's fire. Her little Rick Owens shoes. Yes. <laughs> Gucci book bag, like don't play with her. She yeah. really is that girl. But in the same token, I also wanted to teach kids about values and morals. So Zoe Spark followed her heart really is about you discovering your passion and not giving up when it gets hard. So to give a brief synopsis to the people who aren't aware of the story, she basically loves baking. Her dream is to own her own bakery one day and she gets to school and the principal tells them that because of funding, the school is shutting down their cooking class. And so she hatches this plan with her friends to have a bake sale to try to save the cooking class. Um, but it just, I wanted to instill values in every single story that kids can read and learn from while also feeling represented and seen. Look here, and I'm, I'm here for it. I think that st stories like that need to be told, especially because like you said, it's like, we all do have that, even though I came about my womanhood a little differently, <laughs> we all had those, those moments. Cause even when I was growing up before transition, there was always that ugly phase. There's when you're the darker kids in school, there's always like the, oh, yo, you're an African booty scratcher. There's all, all of those. And I'm actually African. African, I was gonna oh, say. <laughs> And so I can only imagine, like, if you actually African and they hit you with one of those, it's like, excuse me? Uh oh, hey. <laughs> um, and so it's like, I, I really enjoyed, like, seeing that. And it's interesting that a lot of the times we have to be the change that we want to see. And there's not a, not a lot of people that come to the aid and defense of Black women, especially as it pertains to the ways in which we're seen. But a lot of people have a lot to say about the way that Black women show up when they don't like you know, what we're doing. Um, I want to jump into that, but there's a question that's like pressing against my mind to ask because there was a, a story about, um, I think it was actually one of my friends that was just telling me an experience, but she's a dancer and she gotten an opportunity to, oh no, lies. It was Todrick. 
that's who it was. So um, my friend Tadra called. He got an opportunity to work with Beyonce before he worked with her in Blow. But the opportunity came at a time where he was on Broadway. He was doing a show. He was committed to the show. And Beyonce was like, well, I just need you to come up here for one day and do this thing. And then we'll send you back. So he asked for permission. And the guy who was running the show was like, no, this is Broadway. I don't give a fuck if it's Beyonce or the president. Like, the show is tonight and you have to be in it. And so he was like, well, you know what? I know that this is Beyonce. I love Beyonce. I'm a stan, but I did make a commitment. And so I had to turn down Beyonce. And so he said that, of course, a couple of years later goes by, they call him again to do blow and he was able to do it. And he says the first thing that Beyonce said when he got on set was like, I remember we asked you to do, you know, the other project. And they told me that the reason why you couldn't was because of your whatever. And um, he said that Beyonce said something to him that like really like latched on, which was she appreciated the fact that his morals, right, put him in a position where, yes, this is Beyonce, that might open up a door, but because you made a commitment, you held on to that commitment, that was why I called you back. Like, yes, the talent made me notice you, but me calling you back was because here's a person that to everybody else, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. But if you're talented, it comes back. So have you had a moment in your career where it was like, I really want to do this girl, but I told so-and-so and I've already, you know, committed to that. And so I got to do that. And if, if it's meant, it'll come back. Like, have you ever had one of those, if it's meant, it'll come back moments? Yeah, I have those all the time, actually. Um, but just by nature, I'm somebody who I'm very, very adamant about my word. Like mm -hmm. if I say I'm going to do something, it will eat at me until I do it. If I make somebody a promise, I have to keep it. It's not even about them anymore. It's really about me to me. Like, I just, I won't be able to sleep. Like, I'm like, oh, I promised that. I need to get it done. And so, for one, it makes me um, talk less because I know that if it comes out my mouth, I got to do it. Like, right. <laughs> so, I don't, you know, talk as much or say, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But... I think that's why I've gotten so far in my career is because that is how I've been able to keep all of my relationships. People know that if I say something, I'm going to do it and they can count on me and I'm dependable. And when you build that reputation for yourself, no opportunity passes you. As a matter of fact, people are just waiting for you to spin their block again. Like right. I, I need to get on her radar. Like I need to, it, it keeps you um, great in people's eyes. And I feel like it helps you grow to levels higher than people who compromise their word and their morals. So I don't really play about that. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability every single time, because it's, it's, it's like me honoring myself. Um, and I feel like when we make promises or if we don't show up as well as we could have because of one thing or another, we're kind of dishonoring ourselves and I don't dishonor myself no more. I so, feel that. Yeah. So in the world of the men with the podcast <laughs> um, and the women who like to tear them down. <laughs> The way that these girls on TikTok be gathering. Like, it's crazy. It's very entertaining to me. <laughs> the way that the girls be gathering them on TikTok is hilarious to me. And I get my life on a daily. Um, but I guess that brings me to this question. How do you feel about, specifically, I think, the entertainment industry and the way that 
I want to say like fashion imagery as somebody who was probably still dressing a lot of these folks and in and, and, and community with them. Do you feel like fashion has become this thing where people don't have to be fashionable anymore. They have to be naked because I've seen that comment going around. Like some of y'all ain't got style. Y'all just be naked with shoes on. Right. Um, and so <laughs> do you feel like there's some truth to that? Or do you feel like people are just upset with the fact that women are no longer willing to be fashionable by the standards of what men think is also like good girl. I think that the only reason why this conversation that people are having seems amplified right now is because we have social media and we can actually talk to each other. Mm -hmm. But the conversations about nudity and like women dressing provocatively and lewd and all this has been happening forever. Like remember back in the day when you couldn't show your ankles? Like they've been, the, the conversation has been going on for decades, centuries probably. I don't think it's new. Um, I think we're just, more exposed to each other's opinions and so it sounds louder mm. but the people who are really into fashion they have their world where they don't even hear those arguments because they're not in those conversations oh. um but i don't it doesn't bother me because i'm very much like i like for people to do whatever makes them happy as long as it's not harming others if you want to walk around in an alien costume every day, as long as you're not harming someone else, what gives me the audacity to be offended? Like, that's really not, it's like, why would I ruin my good frequencies and good vibrations? Like, you're not bothering me. Like, you don't, you're not hurting me. So why am I hurting myself by choosing to, to be bothered? It's just, oh. I, I'm different in that way. As long as, I want everybody to be happy. You do what makes you happy. As long as it's not hurting me or anyone else, I have no problem with it. I fuck with that because I feel like there are so many people out here who, like you said, forcing yourself to be bothered. Like, you, you, like you're really, like, you over here unbothered. <laughs> and then this person walks by in an alien costume who is still not bothering you. And now you forcing yourself to stop sipping on your drink to be bothered about this person who is now down the street. And those like that They're person is happy as hell. They're living they, their best life. <laughs> they are living their best life in this alien costume and you are mad about it. You are you are upset. You've made a you've made several TikTok videos and you responded to the compliments with <laughs> like you've done all the things and this person don't even know you exist because you chose to father. And that is just like that's always like the, the interesting thing thing to me about it. So getting back into like living your best black girl life. One of the things that I think that you also inspired me to do was travel and take traveling seriously. So what are some of your favorite places to go? Like what, where, where do you have to go like once a year or if there's any places? Like what is, what is there? Bermuda is my place. Ooh. Bermuda, I feel like I am inside of a postcard. <laughs> it very much gives do not disturb. It very much gives like nothing outside of this island matters. Like there's no stress. There's no like, it's just, and it's beautiful. Like it looks like an Instagram filter in real life. Okay. The people are really nice. The food, all the food. Like I had oxtails, a fish sandwich. Like it just, 
<laughs> it's the taking notes for me. <laughs> but I love Bermuda so much. And it's a small island. It's only 22 miles long. Uh, but the people are amazing. Like, it's a vibe. I got to do Bermuda all the time. That is my happy place. When I need to escape and just recharge, rejuvenate, get new life. It's giving Bermuda for me. And I've been to a lot of places, don't get me wrong. And there's a lot of beautiful places. And I have great experiences everywhere I've traveled. But Bermuda is top two, and it ain't number two for Ooh, me. Okay. Oh, mm -hmm. now if you catch me tipping through your happy place, just know that you did this. I'll share. Yeah. Look here, if you catch me tipping through your happy place, just know, like, hey, this was the conversation that did it. Because I'm always looking for new places to go. Like, I'm doing Bali really soon, um, and I can't wait for that, because I want to do that stupid swing that swings over the jungle. <laughs> like, I need to do that, and I hope that it don't break on me. Like, all, Man, all the people that... I'm scared of heights. That's one of the few things I'm afraid of, is heights. Oh, so there will be no wait, no no theme parks for you, none of that, no roller coaster. I go to Six Flags. I am the certified bag holder. Like I'm very content standing in line with everybody. I'm gonna let y'all get on the ride, and I'm going to walk across and wait for y'all to come down, and then we're gonna get a funnel cake, and we're gonna stand in another. I get not the certified bag holder. I can't. I love it. We'll have a great time. <laughs> but you know what? At least I ain't got to pay for a locker. At least I don't have to pay for a locker with you there. That's, I mean, I guess that's the silver lining for it. <laughs> there is, okay, so there is, there are moments where I feel like Alori gets sexy, right? There are moments where you step out of businesswoman hat, you step out of fashionista hat, black girl travel, the cooking stops. And you just get downright like, this is what it is, just in case y'all forgot. Well, how do you, or what sparks those moments? Or how do you keep the sexy? Or how do you find the sexy in those moments um, to share with us? Um, that is such a hard question for me because I don't, it's going to sound crazy. I don't be realizing it's the sexy <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> and because I'm not trying to do it, it's hard for me to tell you when I decide to do it because I literally, I am how I feel when I wake up in the morning. Okay. If I wake up today and I'm feeling like a thug, I'm gonna wear some camo shorts from Walmart. The men's department at Walmart is my favorite. Some camo shorts from Walmart. I'm putting my grill in my mouth. Like, that's just my mood. If I wake up the next day and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna give him a thigh high split, that's just what I give. But every day I'm just me. And so it's after the fact when people are like, come on, sexy. And I'm like, oh, that was sexy. Okay, cool. Like, I don't. <laughs> the question like I'm really just I'm myself all the time but I'm just multifaceted so it seems like I'm playing these different roles like I just I'm always me that is so interesting to me because it's always the people who are like uh but what's even more interesting is that I've always said the same thing like when people ask like when I was at college I always had this funky sense of whatever and most of it was just because like when I was in my mama house at the beginning stages of everything like I was allowed to be gay but I wasn't allowed to be gay and so it was one of those things where like when I got to college I was like okay we're gonna do all of the things we're playing with all of this we're doing colors we're 
And so people were just like, how do you come up with this stuff? And I'm like, if I feel like doing a pirate today, that's what y'all gonna get. Y'all gonna get this fashionable yeah. ass pirate and y'all gonna deal with it. And so to hear somebody be like, yeah, y'all get what I wake up with. And then you, at the end of it, you realize that that's like, I don't know, I feel like that's always really dope. But I think it's always crazy that the most beautiful people and like the most like, sexually exuding people are like i don't know i don't be feeling sexy i just be moving through the world and y'all like it so i guess like it's, it's just like stop playing with us like you out here with the yams you out here with all of the things and then i've never seen somebody lose 10 pounds in two days the way that you do like and it, at this point it'd be a whole challenge like i'm still so, when we talk about because now we're moving through all of the career paths of Alori. The food be looking fire. And at some point, if I'm not invited, I'm going to steal a chicken nugget from the stove when you're not looking because I need to say I've tasted something. So when do we get into sharing with the world our cooking? I know that people liked it when you posted it, but then how do we move into like, you know, tying that into health and the way that you like do your health thing and all of those things? Okay. Um, the cooking started when I got on Snapchat. Mm. So for years, I was the TikTok, I mean, not TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. That was just me. And then Snapchat came about and everybody's like, you got to get on Snapchat, you got to get on Snapchat. I'm like, I do not want another social media platform. Like, I'm not getting a Snapchat. Y'all need to leave me the hell alone. Like, for years, I did not get on Snapchat. And then one of my um, exes, he was like, yo, make a Snapchat. And I'm like, nigga, no. Like, <laughs> I don't wanna well he convinces me to do it anyway so i get on snapchat and i'm not really taking it seriously but i start looking at everybody else's content and i'm like oh snapchat is fun because you don't have to try here like right. nothing's curated you don't have to set up no lights it's not about angles you can literally just post all the time and people don't get annoyed by it right so snapchat almost kind of became my diary that's where people started to see my personality because at first my whole Instagram and Twitter was like, and I actually had a friend who told me, he was like, all everything on your social media looks like an editorial. It's like, I'm, I'm in vogue. Like there's no who it, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just, nobody knew how goofy I was. Nobody knew I knew how to cook. Nobody knew what I sounded like because I was literally just giving fashion and giving advice like that was it but on snapchat you found out oh she likes to go to the strip club <laughs> <laughs> like like you really got to know me as a person and i would cook all the time so i started posting my cooking videos and i realized people loved when i would cook i actually got offered a cooking show with an actual network just based off my snapchat cooking videos alone wait what <laughs> so i turned it down um but that's how the cooking thing came about was literally <laughs> from snapchat and after snapchat kind of started to get a little boring to me i transitioned over to bringing the things back to instagram and so i would like post little snippets and stuff like that um the weight loss thing so my background is actually in science i didn't go to school for fashion a lot of people know i actually was supposed to be a neurosurgeon so mm -hmm. all of my degrees is like science and i've always been into health and like hacking the body and figuring out what does what and what does what and my mom has a degree in food engineering so 
in our house growing up, we was not eating canned foods. Everything was like whole foods, like nothing frozen, fresh. Like, so I've always known about food and nutrition and what certain things play or how certain things play into the body. And after cooking all that damn food and being in a relationship where it's literally date night every, every night, yeah, night. And like the guy I was dating was not. He was not playing no games with them date nights. When I tell you six nights a week, we were at somebody's restaurant, like all the meals, all the steak, all the creme brulee. Like I just, I gained so much weight and I'm like, hold up, we gotta right. throw this thing back in. And so I started trying to figure out, okay, what, how much protein do I need to get? And uh, what amount of calories to lose this weight? And over the years, I learned the combination of food and working out that I needed to have in order to drop weight quickly, but still in a healthy way. And I think one time one of my friends bet me, like, girl, you don't really. Yes. And I said, okay, let me show you something. Because if it's one thing I love, it's a challenge. Don't play with me. If I say I know something, I really know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, I just won't say anything at all. And so when I had posted about that, the world was like, whoa, how did you do it? And how can we get in? And me, like I said in the beginning, when I see that my people want something from me, I'll try my best to provide it. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll show y'all what I did and how right. and try it. And I'm really big on presentation and um, the quality of whatever I put out. So it went from me saying, okay, I'll give y'all my notes to, well, let me create this ebook right quick. And then I couldn't just make it a regular ebook. I was like, no, we need formatting. We need graphics. <laughs> and so it turned into a whole thing. And people started doing the meal plan and they were getting the same results and sending me like, oh my God, I lost five pounds. It's been three days. I'm like, I told y'all, like, right. you don't even have to work out. Switch your nutrition. You can really switch this very fast so that's how that came about that first of all it's the cooking show because we're not gonna skate over that like you wasn't off <laughs> because who the fuck turns back see this is how you know people i, I that, look here i make a little money but you know a bitch making money when she's like oh i turned down a cooking show i mean like i just, <laughs> I just i'll tell you why i turned it down. okay um i turned it down because they offered me the opportunity to have this show, but it was in the capacity of I would be the star of the show, not I could have ownership in the show. And mm. I think that equity is something that our people and our generation have not been privy to in times past. We're always like, oh, this is the, the celebrity, this, the blah, 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 but then you don't own your things. And you're like, these are your, this cooking show would have been my show, my recipes, my ideas. They were giving me free range to, I could shoot it however I want it, wherever I want it, but I couldn't own it. They would still own it. And I'm like, I will put up money towards the production to be able to buy a piece of the equity of this thing that I'm really creating. And they were kind of like, ah, oh, we don't really worry. Like it was a bigger network, you know, they don't, that's not something that they're used to doing in the past. And so I walked away. I'm like, well, I appreciate the opportunity, but I've never been thirsty to be on TV. So if y'all ain't seen me on TV yet, I've turned down so many shows, like even shows that are popular now, they wanted me on. And I'm like, mm, 
no, it's just not, it's not right for me. It's not how I want to present myself or it's not how I want to do business. And equity was really important to me. My, one of my clients at the time, Donald Glover, he was starting the show Atlanta at the time. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I loved about the way he structured his deal was that he was getting to own his stuff. And so to be in that type of environment and to see what was possible, I would have been doing myself and the people coming behind me a disservice to take the deal. And so I didn't take it. I'm like, if it's meant to be, it'll be. Um, and I was cool. And I'm still very fine with that decision. I like that. And I think that this, it's important. Another thing that I genuinely enjoy um, is when you give us like the financial advice, and especially those of us who are like trying to build credit. Um, a cut like tips and tricks. I done tried a couple of the things and <laughs> my credit score is popping. <laughs> like, and I'm not just saying that y'all, like for those of y'all who follow me and who be in my stories, y'all know that my credit score is quite nice. And a lot of my, because of tools that you have given me. And so thank you. Um, oh, no. <laughs> like seriously, like, and it's, it's interesting. I think the first time that like, I really buckled down and took notes and then went back and applied those notes, my credit score jumped 40 points. Fast too. Fast. Like, it takes a long time. I have been so, and I haven't said this to anyone publicly yet, but I've been dabbling with and like manipulating my credit score to see what affects what. And when I tell you, you can really turn that thing around in 30 days because that's when they report is every yeah. days. And so you can do things to make your score shoot up crazy depending on what type of leverage that you have in literally. 30 days like i thought about doing like some kind of crash course or something for my community and like mm -hmm. some quick little credit something but i ain't gonna lie i'm nervous because every time i do something one time and i just want to do it once the girls don't be having it they be no. like they're doing it again and then i feel the pressure of like oh my god i gotta do it and i don't want to do it i don't want to be the credit girl okay so <laughs> i'm like Dang, I want to do this, but it's like a tug of war right now mentally. We'll see how it how it pans out, which side wins, but... I mean, that's given to me what that gives is that you need to start doing like workshops where it's not just you so that people can kind of sort of like be inundated with a bunch of information that's helpful to them. And like you can That see is what Swank University is. <sighs> it's just the the panoramic yes. messed it all up for us, but Okay. Too much. <laughs> I'm, and I'm here for I, I'm here for it. I'm loving it. It's, it's all of the things. So now we get into like the really fun stuff. Out of all of those lives that you have lived so far, what is a regret that you have in any one of those career paths that you've chosen? And what is something that you are absolutely excited about doing that was honestly a scary thing for you to do at first. So what's a regret? And then what is the thing that you were scared to do, but you're happy that you did it in, in the end? Okay, the regret, I don't have one. Okay. Um, the reason why is, although there are a lot of times in my life that were miserable, or times that I thought, this is it for me, this is the end, times where I've wanted it to be the end, I think that if I were to have taken back any one of those moments, I wouldn't be who I am or where I am today. And so the thought that, you know, going back and like how in the movies, it's like, if you change this one thing, you change the path of your whole life. Like the thought of me 
possibly not being able to live the life that I'm living now because I went back and regretted something makes me not want to regret nothing. I'm like, no, I needed that. So mm -hmm. now when things happen to me, I just look at it like it's two sides of a spectrum. In order to know what pure happiness and joy feels like, you have to know what despair feels like. Okay. Like in order for you to be like blissful and grateful, you have to know what it feels like to be miserable and sad. Like we need both to keep that balance. And so I just look at it like, okay, this is a moment that's cultivating me for my, my happy time that's coming. Um, the second part of your question about what am I excited about? I'm honestly just excited about coming back alive. I think that, well, not even that I think, I went through a very like buried phase. Um, I secluded myself. I didn't want to really come out, do things. I didn't want to put things out creatively. Like I just kind of went inside. It's like I built this cocoon around myself and I kind of needed it. It's like I needed to do that. And I am now approaching the butterfly era where the cocoon is starting to crack back open. And so the people who haven't seen me in a while and like I haven't done events and things that people are used to getting from me, I haven't done workshops. My Facebook memories popped up from like uh, 12 years ago or something. At the Atlanta cupcake thingy, my bobber. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God, I've been doing this for a long time and I've not given the people anything in a minute. And so I'm excited to come back outside. Look here, my ticket is already purchased. <laughs> my ticket is already purchased. It's a whole thing. Cause look here, I was kind of fat and I wasn't giving what I was supposed to be giving when I met you that first time. And it was very quick. So I'm not going to relive that picture. I, I I tossed that picture and burned it. So um, get a new one. Redo. We'll, we'll get a new picture because that old picture, I have so many places like that. Like I got a picture with Janelle Monet that I refuse to post as much as I love her because I look like a whole crackhead. And that picture, it was not good. Like who does a meet and greet after the concert? Like you went and got here and makeup to touch you up. <laughs> Waiting for an hour and a half, jamming. So, but okay. So here is my shocking question that I ask everyone, and I mean it just depends on you and how and how real you are. But the question is, when was the last time that you got a piece? <laughs> and everybody, see, it's always that face. Everybody's like, a uh, uh, piece of what? Uh, see, no, ain't no piece of what. When was the last time you had adult sexy sexy into court? Oh my God, I had a 12 piece at American Telly. You know what? I'm not about to play. <laughs> I am not. We not even finna. See, you and Darren Fleet, both y'all, y'all kill me with a piece of what? I mean, I had a piece of pie yesterday. No. I had a piece of carrot cake about a week ago. <laughs> it was very seductive. I. I'm a decline. To and I think I'm a decline because I just, I don't know. I'm going to skip it. See, I just feel like, ask me again, like, when I'm, I'm going to skip it. 
I, I, I picked up what you was putting down. I feel like I picked up what you was putting down with that response. So I'm okay. I, I get it. I, I feel that. So before we get on up out of here, what is next? What what can we look forward to? What are some of the things that you have, if you can share with us early? Because I know you one of them Beyonce people. You like them okay. jump too. So. When it's done. When it right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I will say this, I'm really excited about the new stuff that I'm working on for Swank Blue. Um, and I do want to take a moment and thank you for being one of our very, very valuable customers because baby, like the support is real. That actually is another reason why it was important for me to do your podcast. I didn't even ask you what your podcast was about. I was just like, oh no, 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 she supports. And I'm all about reciprocation. And because you've shown me and my brand so much love, I wanted to be able to do the same for you. So I am going to take this moment out to say thank you so much. Like, I really, really appreciate you and all the support that you've shown me over the years. And it's because of people like you that even in my moments where I don't feel like doing anything and I'm tired and I'm over it and I feel defeated, I keep going because I don't want to let my people down. So thank you for being one of my people. I really appreciate it. But right now, um, Swank Blue is the thing that I can talk about that I'm most excited about. I love that. And I can't wait because I, I I was looking for my polka dot shirt. I could not find her to save my life because I just wore my feather <laughs> shirt. And so I couldn't put her back on because I did. <laughs> and I took pictures. <laughs> so I was like, I can't wear my feather shirt. It's okay. <laughs> but I was looking for my polka dot shirt and I was like, okay. And then my other dress that I got sent in my mystery box, it was too much for the podcast. I was like, okay, I want to do that. But this, I have a bunch of swank blue shit around here. So like, there's a bunch of, I know. <laughs> bunch of swank blue stuff up in here. But I was like, you know what? I'm going a, I'm to a pay homage with the blue. I'm going to give the blue and that's going to be a moment. But I'm excited and I'm pretty sure that everybody else who follows and loves you is super excited about whatever else it is that you're trying to give us. So the folks who do not know this amazing woman, please make sure that y'all follow her on all platforms. Alori Swank, Google her, bitch. She's Googleable, as I like to say. Googleable, please fuck with her, but she's unfuckwittable. Just remind, be, be remind. Okay. And I'm, I'm just really excited. Like I said, again, thank you so much for the time that you've spent with us today. And I hope that everybody is able to take out something from this because I've been able to learn so much from you over the years. And I just pray for your continued success and greatness and uplifting. And I can't wait to like work with you. I have some things in mind. Um, I have some, yeah, I have, I have some things because there are some things that I haven't seen you do that I think that you would be amazing in. And so there are some opportunities that I definitely want to talk to you about. Um, on the back end for some other stuff. But beyond that, I'm just really grateful to have people. And then also to have folks of their word. Like I've never, you know, outside of like a meet and greet moment, I've never met you in person, but all of the things that you've said on social media, I see you living by them. I see you like actively being a person of your word. Like I said, I was going to do this and I'm, I'm doing it. God damn it. Like y'all don't know. And I hate to be that person because she's not making it a big deal. And y'all wouldn't know if she didn't tell you, but she was, she woke up sick and she was like, no, we not canceling this. Like I'm going to do this anyway. And so even if she's sitting over there with no, with no bottoms on, <laughs> she put a shirt on for us. She put a, she put a face on for us and she came and did it. And I just, I really genuinely appreciate it. And that's a part of the reason why, like I'm going to be swank blue forever because I just really support you, the brand and everything that you stand for as a woman and especially as a black woman out here just moving and shaking. So I appreciate it. 
Thank you. Thank you. With that being said, everybody, like I say this time and every time, peace, love, and hope. And I will catch y'all on the next episode of Can We Talk with Giselle. Y'all say bye. <laughs>